0: Hey, Verbivores! Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Verba Coffee Chat Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Julie Banks, Bookstore Director at the University of Dayton in Ohio, and Chad Stith, Retail Systems Program Manager at Verba Vital Source, to talk about the role digital is playing in course material strategies across campus stores. Julie shares her wisdom and outcomes of her decision to eliminate the physical rental program at her campus, Listen in as we talk about the financial impact, as well as the student and stakeholder perceptions. Thanks for joining us today. I am excited for this episode. I have the amazing Julie Banks and Chad Stith. Welcome both of you to the Verba Coffee Chat Podcast. Thanks. Happy to be here. Thank you. We're going to kick this off. We have just some cool stuff to talk about. At least we think it's cool and maybe a little nerdy. Like that's kind of our theme as it tends to be in the coffee chat. We just want to break down some of the financials of digital, impact of digital. And of course, the legendary Julie Banks from Dayton is here to give us her insight. She's done some pretty strategic things with digital. COVID happened. You made a strategic decision on your campus to eliminate physical print rental. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that decision and kind of the whys behind that?
1: Yeah, sure. So if anyone's still listening after Lisa said we were going to discuss the financials associated with course materials, kudos to you. So thanks for hanging in there. So it was excruciatingly painful to, at first, to make the decision to move away from rental. It had been such a, a positive program for the campus. It really helped us to Get our foot in the door from an affordability standpoint. We were really able to, you know, just start to drive numbers down for the per student price that we were charging for course materials each semester. So it, it was a tough decision, but COVID happened, like you said, and we just had to reevaluate the way that we were doing business. I, I think no matter how you do it, a rental program just creates such an administrative burden. You know, you're carrying the same inventory semester. Semester after semester, hopefully you get the opportunity for that material to get adopted again and, and used, but there's so much movement of the books. There's so much tracking of those assets. It's cumbersome to collect the books back at the end of the semester, you know, and check them into the point of sale system and then make the decisions about keeping the inventory for the store or sending them back to the provider. And those are things that we just pretty quickly felt like we no longer had had the resources or the energy to deal with it. It was, you know, one of my biggest stressors over the last year had been just trying to figure out a way to get the books back from the students, because it's one thing when you're able to, you know, dangle the carrot and say, hey, I'll give you money if you bring your books back to me. So, you know, buyback is great in that way where we can say, I'll give you cash for your books so people flock to the store. But when you're saying like, hey, you rented this book from me like three months ago, and now it's time for you to turn it back in, people are less likely to do that. So in addition to that administrative burden, from a financial standpoint, you kind of feel that loss of all the books that don't come back to you and the time that you spend trying to track them down and charging fees to the students and all that unglamorous stuff. So I just, you know, after spending the spring trying to hunt down all the books and get them back from students. Uh, Most of them had to be shipped back to us or students were dropping them off in bins across our campus as they moved out in the spring. Once they finally got a chance to do that, it was just such a painful process. And I just decided, you know, it was time to pull the plug. There were better opportunities available for the store.
2: At the time, you know, that had to be a very hard decision. You know, you had a great rental program and it was saving students a lot of money and it was a, uh, you know, a revenue source for the store and, and to walk away from that was very brave. But I wonder how you explained that to students and to faculty. Did you try to make a direct channel into digital? Like we're not offering rental anymore, but we do have something else that's even more affordable, that's even more convenient given that COVID has happened. How did you manage expectations on campus around that change?
1: We had started to dip our toes into the water with inclusive access back in fall of 2017. And that program just continued to grow. Each semester we had relatively slow growth where we really wanted to make sure we had the buy-in from individual faculty members we wanted to make sure that parents and students understood the value to the program but seeing the steady growth of that program and just starting to see ebook sales become more of a popular choice by the students i knew we had an opportunity there so that was kind of front of mind second i feel like we're very fortunate we have a close-knit campus we have really wonderful relationships with the administration and the provost office and it was a time of crisis for the campus as people were not physically there and there was just so much uncertainty there still is, but we just have always had an open dialogue with the provost office. So I gathered some stats and just talked about what we had been doing as a campus related to affordability over the years, where we felt there was more potential for growth with digital. Again, being able to shed a lot of that administrative burden with the the rental books and then not carrying inventory for digital. From an academic standpoint, just reminding the faculty and the students and parents that, with more digital, there's an opportunity for students not to have to have to take any action to be able to have access to the materials by the time classes start. You know, to be able to really have more of a hassle-free relationship with the bookstore where we're not asking them to come back at the end of the semester and drop those rental books off so you know the compelling points of the first day access the price being reasonable being able to reach more of the enrolled students in in the course in addition to the positive relationships with our provost office we've really built a great program with the LMS team and you know our campus has about 10,000 students so So when I talk about departments, I'm talking about myself and my course material manager and then one or two people at the provost office and then a single person on the LMS team. So (laughs) when we get together, it's not a large group of people, but you have the key decision makers and and you get the buy-in so that you can have more casual conversation about day to day and semester to semester, like what's going on on the campus when we you know, faced more of this time of crisis, uh, crisis, I felt like we could be a little bit more nimble in what we needed to accomplish.
0: Julie clearly defined her new strategy and the benefits of increasing digital usage had on her campus to get buy-in. Keep listening as she breaks down the sales and financial impact of her decision.
2: I want to drill in on that just a little bit because you have a tremendous inclusive access program but you also sell a lot of digital through your retail management system through booklog uh, yeah. you sell through your point of sale registers and through your e-commerce site a tremendous amount of digital and we tend to think of that kind of kind of student choice digital where they can pick oh i'm gonna have a print book or, or i'm gonna make a digital choice we tend to think of that as sort of a maybe a gateway to inclusive access where the campus gets familiar with digital and they've been able to sort of take that up as they want or maybe just a low overhead approach to getting into digital. But you have these two things running in parallel at a very high level. Inclusive access program is very successful and your ability to sell digital through your own channels, your own point of sale registers or your e-commerce site also incredibly, incredibly strong. Uh, and I'm just wondering how you've been able to manage that, have the strong IA program and also, this tremendous business through your, your retail system.
1: It's two things. One is the provider that you're working with. So having easy access to the availability of digital titles in the past. So, I if I go back to like fall of 2017, I can tell you in the fall we sold 31 ebooks. In the spring, we sold 12, 1 2, 12 ebooks. <laughs> so, ebook sales were not strong, you know, just a couple semesters ago because when it takes more than eight hours to load a, a digital catalog um, so that you can start pulling what you need to to fill adoptions and provide options to, to students. It's, it's not a good use of, of my team's time. It's very inefficient and it's frustrating. So it makes you not wanna support the program. It makes you not want to, you know, do the work to, to make this available to the students. So we needed that to be easier. So we'll fast forward. So I was talking to you about 2017. Let's move forward to like spring of 2020. So just this last spring, we sold 985 eBooks. So 985. And then in the fall, we sold 11,994 eBooks. So we went from (laughs) 1,000 to almost 12,000 within the course of one semester. And a lot of that was related to COVID. There's no doubt. Eliminating the rental program, marketing to the students and to families, and just general messaging stating that Th- the benefits, you know, that yes, we did have a strong rental program that helped to drive costs down for students. But now in addition to those cost savings, we can also give you immediate access to your titles. You don't have to do much. It's pretty uh, non-labor intensive to get the materials that you need. So yeah, we really saw that our ebook sales rocket once we we made a couple little tweaks and and changes. But I think it's just... Such a compelling story to just look at last spring. Less than a year ago, we were selling 1,000 eBooks and now we're selling 12,000 in a semester.
2: That changes your financials. You know, you're looking at a big change in probably top-line revenue. Now, your bottom line may be vastly improved, but it's very different in terms of top-line revenue sales. And as others on campus evaluate your financials, they may look at that and be used to seeing one number in that sales column and are seeing something very different now. How do you communicate that kind of change in this time of crisis to campus stakeholders that may be expecting to see one or another kind of revenue on those financials?
1: I really try to make sure that there aren't any surprises (laughs) and that's, it's been hard to do that over the last eight or nine months, but I I did prep our administration, you know, even when we started our, our rental program, however many years ago, you know, we went in, With a plan, we kind of um, did like a three-year projection to show at that time what we thought the impact would be. And we have tried to do the same thing with digital. We all know, you know, the margins aren't the same. So we needed to prepare our administration to to let them know what the shift was going to look like. Yes, we are going to see a higher volume of sales. So digital units will increase but we won't be making the same amount of money. And, you know, I do feel encouraged. I hear, you know, a lot of other stores who are a little bit further along than, than we are and also have like a larger enrollment. But, you know, I, I see how after a couple of years, there's really some momentum that can be gained. And as you're seeing close to 100% of the enrollment, Purchasing digital or being enrolled in an inclusive access program and staying opted in, there are some opportunities there that I really, you know, look forward to actualizing. Frankly, I've been surprised with how how well we've continued to do in course materials. If I go back. And I look again, if we go back to fall of 2017, we were selling fall term at that point, 51,000 units. And fast forward to fall of 2020, and we sold 48,000. We're talking a couple thousand unit difference in what we're selling. But I do anticipate that that's going to continue to grow because as we move into more inclusive access, like I said, we're just going to capture more of a piece of that enrollment.
2: I think it's really great that you're looking at unit sales. It's kind of an indication of market share, but it's a way to compare sort of those apples and oranges in some way that gives you a reference. You know, a physical book sale is not the same as a digital sale. There are expenses to a physical book sale. You've got shipping on the way in, you have labor on the way to to getting that book onto the shelf. With that digital sale, you don't have those, but you do have lower revenue, less sales up front. But you've managed to look at unit sales and said, well, okay, we're still a a supplier to the campus community, a significant supplier to the campus community, even though the unit has changed, we're still fulfilling those units.
0: Yeah, I think it's always that tough balance. I mean, revenue is obviously significantly important. I do think it's a compelling story to talk about market share, especially as these digital programs and, and digital you know delivery becomes really prevalent. Because I mean, it does show that, you know, the campus store is the heart of a university and course materials. And I think that especially when you look at the digital units delivered to that market share, that's like often day one access. And that's content in the hands of students on day one and it goes back to kind of that larger you know focus at an institution where like we're helping students succeed and that's really you know why we're all here we hope to help them be great in their courses and do well and perform well and graduate and and that really is it and ho- hopefully we do that at a, a much lower cost and, and save them some money along the way so I think it's interesting that you are reporting on market share and are able to speak to that and kind of see it it's you know correlation between you know, your different strategies that you're implementing on campus.
2: I kind of want to follow up on that just a little bit and and talk about key performance indicators and KPIs. What are the metrics that you look at that tell you that we're being successful in this transition, especially in a year where so many things have changed, where everything is different? What do you look at and say, we're still navigating this successfully. We're still being successful in the sea of change
1: that is a a great question and and honestly i would say right now i'm i'm not doing that so well because i feel like just given the the state of door operations and just having less people less time in some cases, I feel like I'm not looking at the performance indicators that I would have in the past. But uh, what I tend to look at is the reduction of expenses. So I look at our freight costs. I look at our overall course material inventory and what we're carrying from semester to semester. I look at our returns, primarily returns going back to the our primary wholesaler, but also any publisher. Returns. We've tried to consolidate the number of distributors that we're working with and trying to streamline as much as that workflow. As we can, but we're still finding our way. So, when I'm looking at the savings that I see in in freight and with shelving books or picking them for online orders, I feel like you do have to shift resources to provide support for the students when it comes to accessing the ebooks, when it comes to questions that they have. We have to make sure that we're providing assistance for them to actually get to the materials that they need. So though I'm I'm seeing pretty significant savings and like I said what what we're measuring we're able to see a reduction in those costs, but on the other hand I feel like I'm just starting to figure out a way to track what we're spending in support hours, what we're spending in developing training materials for the team. So I feel like, you know, there's still a, a lot of work to to be done and And Chad, I would say this is an area where I'm definitely still working as as soon as I have a little bit more time to spare.
0: (laughs) While campus store financials continue to evolve, it's great to hear how Julie closely aligns with her campus administration to provide transparency. Let's hear Julie's advice on how she continues to keep her store on the cutting edge of innovation.
2: So that's, that begs a question for me, like you have managed, we've both been in the industry for, let's just say a while now. How do you stay ahead? How do you continue to learn and, and keep your store ahead of the curve? Like you are ahead of the curve on digital. You say there are others, but you're ahead of the curve on inclusive access. You're ahead of the curve on selling digital through your retail management system. How do you continue to learn and keep your store on the, on the reasonable edge of innovations?
1: I try to stay connected and informed with what's going on in the industry. I try to look forward and, you know, understand because there's no clear path. We all know that, but just to try to understand what are some options to consider more in in the short term future and the long term future and a lot of times we'll go down a path and and I'll think okay this is this is the right decision like let's do this but we're constantly adapting we're constantly having to shift so i think one reason that we may be successful is just that we're willing to to shift you know we're willing to change I try not to be stubborn. It would be easy to just like stay in one place and keep doing the same thing, especially when you've seen successful data to support, you know, just that little bit of credibility and pat on the back that you're doing the right thing but then it it starts to shift you know it doesn't last campus needs are changing student needs are changing stores are changing and so we it's not just me it's it's my whole team we just are always questioning what we're doing how could we be doing it better? What else could we be doing to serve the students? We we do take our mission to provide affordable materials to the campus. That's always paramount for us. So we start there and then we look at faculty needs, you know, we we look at current programs and we just always try to shift and adapt what we're doing. And if we try something one semester and it wasn't great, okay, we might move on to something else, but that doesn't mean we don't it off the following year and and give it another try. So I think you just have to be willing to, to fail. You have to be willing to try new things. I'm not the most creative person, so I'm not coming up with any of these ideas myself. I love that in our industry, you can network with so many great, wonderful, creative people. You can hear what they're doing in their stores and you can take pieces of that that fit for your campus and, you know, customize that to work with what, what you need to do to, to try to be successful.
0: I think that's so important and so relevant and it can be hard and scary and and there's risk involved with change. And I think that it's really interesting to hear, again, you just putting like the mission of the whole institution at the forefront of your decision-making. And I couldn't agree more around the love and the partnership and collaboration within the industry, because there's always someone willing to help and share tips and tricks and advice and strategy. And I think that really is so important. Chad Julie this was amazing like such great insight such great wisdom you guys have both been in the industry for a while how many years
1: i have worked at the college well different college bookstores but i've worked at a college bookstore since i was a freshman in college and i'm i won't tell you at this point how long that is but it's it's been decades at this point
2: i will tell you and i will also tell you that it has been longer probably than julie <laughs>
1: Thanks for making me feel better.
2: (laughs) I still have my first paycheck from Washburn University Bookstore from
1: 1989.
2: That's amazing. It's been a
0: while. Some great insight from two industry experts. And this was really fun and, and so insightful. And I know the audience and listeners will take a lot of great points away. So thank you both for your time. And thank you everyone for listening today. Thanks for listening. Big thanks to Julie and Chad for their great conversation and insight. Make sure to subscribe to the Verba Coffee Chat podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you get notified when a new episode is
1: live.